Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor-in-chief of Modern Retail, as well as the host of this podcast. This week's episode was recorded live during our Modern Retail Summit. It was held last week and featured numerous fireside chats with top retail leaders. With that, please excuse any audio mishaps as it was recorded live. If you'd like to learn more about our events, please go to modernretail.co slash events. That's modernretail.co slash events. Here's my conversation with Ocean Spray CEO Tom Hayes. Our first session. And so I'm really excited to bring on Tom Hayes, who is the CEO of Ocean Spray. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Kale. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I always begin my, uh, I guess, my interviews asking this question. I hope soon I don't have to ask this question. But uh, just talk me through sort of how did the pandemic impact Ocean Spray's business? Because I feel like that's the thing that a lot of people are are, are wondering. Yeah, for sure. Um, and everybody's had, of course, a different experience. And in some cases, uh, very difficult to manage. Um, and and our for our purposes at Ocean Spray, we actually have got quite a bit of tailwind uh, from the pandemic. Um, as you know, probably many of the folks that are, that are on this uh, call can attest to, consumers have gone back to brands that they know and love and things that are familiar where they want some stability and some comfort in a time where there's not a lot of not a lot of that to go around. So uh, we have had a lot of tailwind in our business. So it's been actually hard for us to keep up with the demand. And we've had some of our retailer partners will know that we've had some service, uh, you know, challenges and trying to keep up. Uh, we're doing the best we can uh, given the circumstances. But uh, to answer your question, it has been a tailwind for us, Gil. So what was the tailwind just because you were in grocery stores, grocery stores remained open or what, like sort of talk to me about sort of demand shifts that you noticed specifically with your products. Sure. Yeah. So demand did shift and we didn't have, we don't have a, a very large away from home business. We do have a, a well-developed retail business. So as consumers you know, moved away from food service into a retail environment, uh, we benefited from that. Uh, there's no doubt. And as they were looking for items that they, could feel like that this is going to uh, be a way to not only create comfort, but also uh, protect themselves. Our our products are uh, great tasting, but consumers also find them to be uh, healthful. So uh, immunity benefits and a lot of, a lot of uh, vitamin C. And so our our category has done well. Ocean spray as a category leader has uh, probably uh, disproportionately benefited, but I think that the idea that consumers want to have great taste and want to continue to have you know, products that are uh, healthful and the shift from away from home to back in home, absolutely those things were at work as, as we saw the tailwind that we've received. I'm going to want to get into later talking about uh because I know that you've done some new product uh, expansion or new new products that are that are that have just launched, and so we'll get into that soon. But I want to sort of stay at the beginning of the pandemic, just because I, I I'm always interested in talking with leaders of big companies like yours, because it strikes me that a response is sort of two pronged. What was your mindset, and how did you, as the CEO, respond when there was just a, sh- a change overnight, a public health crisis? Sure. You know, first and foremost, it's uh, protecting our team members. <laughs> so. If, um... If we do, frankly, nothing else, we wanted to make sure we did that. And uh, everybody's in the same space. It's not, it's not just Ocean Spray. But we had uh, a lot of work that was done in our supply chain to make sure that 
A, people felt like they were um, comfortable, that they had uh, the work environment that they needed in order to be protected, and then B, that we executed against everything that we said we were going to do. And it's not easy to do that. Um, lots of folks have experienced challenges. We certainly did. Uh, and the monitoring that we did with our team and our you know, food safety team uh, was incredible. And they continue to do a good job. Uh, I'm happy to be sitting in the corporate office here today. But there's uh, not a lot of people in the building as, as you, we have not come back fully to work yet. But the you know first thing that we did was we got to take care of uh, the, the safety of our team members. The second thing was... Uh, making sure that because uh, we have to do that in order to then fulfill our orders for our customers was making sure that uh, when we were working together as a supply chain, we had a really strong approach to uh, we have a sales and operations planning process today or an IDP process and uh, making sure that that was sound because it was hard to continue to keep up with what the demand calls were because they were changing. They were up, they were down, uh, mostly up. and that uh, you know really can affect a, you know an already stressed environment in operations. If you have you know a lot of changes uh, the last moment in terms of production schedules, that can that can hurt. But we did uh, I think a nice job uh, managing through that, and so that would be the second thing I'd say. And then thirdly, uh, just making sure that at the same time our team members that weren't in the plants were feeling like they're still connected to the enterprise. We have you know more town hall meetings. We've had more you know connects and roundtables and things that we're trying to do to make sure people are connected without a lot you know putting them in a position where they feel like they can't move away from the move away from the screen, which is of course you know I think uh, a challenge for everybody. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about this, that connection part because uh, Ocean Spray is a, is a cooperative company, which uh, is unique, I, I, especially for bigger companies. So why don't you just sort of give a sort of uh, brief history about sort of how, how the cooperative works for you guys? Sure. You know, there's a lot of cooperatives, um, particularly in the, you know, the food space. Uh, and the reason why is because uh, it's beneficial for, you know, the farmers to collectively go to the market and and market their products. Uh, this was, uh, there are lots of put, put back, uh, put in place back in the uh, uh, late 20s, early 30s. And in 1930, Ocean Spray formed a cooperative and it was the three growers at the time. And now we have 700 growers around uh, not just the US, but in Canada and Chile. And uh, the cooperative operates such that the, they deliver the fruit to the plants. Uh, we make great products and then we sell and we distribute our earnings back to the owners. And, you know, what is unique about a cooperative and I think something very compelling for not just our team members, but should be for our, our customers and consumers as well, is that everything that we make, all the profits that the cooperative makes goes back to the 700 farmers. And so uh, as, you know, our folks go to work every day, they think about well, what can I do to make a difference? Well, that's a, for you know, a really, really uh, compelling reason to do well is that everything that we uh, do right or wrong will somehow affect the, the life of the farmer. So um, that's the structure. And, you know, it's uh, it's nice to be in the business of manufacturing products that come from cranberries because cranberries are super fruit, uh, great antioxidant properties and something that has continued to grow in, in popularity uh, even though, you know, it's uh, very popular in the U.S., it's starting to become more so popular around the world. So that's a great, great opportunity for Ocean Spray. Do you think being part of a cooperative 
had a, a different kind of impact on all the different people within the company, specifically for uh, a time of distress like the pandemic compared to others where it's a, a different sort of structure? Do you think that, that did people feel more connected? Was there more communication? Just walk me through that. You know, I think if if I were to say, um, let's say it didn't, it wouldn't, I think, I think it would be wrong because I actually do think, of, you know, having a cooperative structure and that uh, knowing that the, the farmers were dependent upon the company in order to, you know, continue to make a living and maybe nervous about what was going to happen. My guess is it did, you know, rally us a little bit, a little bit more so than if we were a publicly traded company that, um, you know, you don't know the investors on a firsthand basis, uh, the owners uh, probably makes a lot of sense that, that that was the case. What I did hear along the way is a lot of gratitude you know, from the farmer owners to plants sending handwritten notes to people that were at receiving centers or the plants themselves and uh, vice versa. You know, the plants, you know, interacting with the growers and uh, asking them about their experience because they have their own uh, things to tackle on the farm. They have team members that are working for them. They have to make sure they're safe. So I do think it sort of uh, lifted that camaraderie around the organization, and particularly as it relates to the folks that are in operations, whether it's on the farm or it's in the in the manufacturing plants. And uh, you know, I'm sure most companies felt the same thing. People struggle at the beginning, and how are we going to actually do this? And then we have you know Zoom and Teams and everything else, and they they. They started to get some, you know, more of a vibe there. They were having like, a, you know, the uh, uh, cocktail hours and things that, you know, team happy hours uh, to try to engage people outside of a work environment. And those just kept kind of dissipated. I think people are, are are fine, you know, not having more time on the screen. But I'd say, yeah, being a cooperative, uh, certainly as it relates to those in the field and the plant, um, probably put us in a position where they were, you know, feeling feeling uh, feeling special. This is more of an, a question of opinion, and I'm just sort of fascinated because I try to keep tabs on this. But I feel like a lot of startups are forming. Some of them are some of them are cooperatives. There's not many. Uh, definitely agriculture. You definitely see that a lot. But you're seeing maybe companies do 501c3s, th- th- things like that. Do you do you believe that there is an influx of of more equitable and sustainable sort of business practices now compared to before, or do you think that this is you know some companies choose certain certain structures for one reason and others will go do the publicly traded option for another? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I, I, I'm not an expert in that area. I would say in terms of forming the company, what I would say, though, uh, that seems to be um, absolutely top of mind for any consumer is the impact, uh, the purpose, the impact the company has on all things. And then certainly as it relates to the environment. And so as uh, they look for products that they feel like they're going to be making the right purchase that also connects them to doing something right for the world. Uh, there's no, I guess there's no doubt really that that's uh, something that is a compelling driver for consumers. And so it's something that we take to heart. We were uh, actually last year, the first uh, crop on a global basis that was awarded a sustainable crop by SAI. Uh, you might know them as Sustainable Agriculture Institute. And so that was really an exciting time for the team, but also, you know, just as we continue to share those messages out to uh, the rest of our own team and the consumers, we think that that has, um, you know, some compel- compels them to you know come to Ocean Spray, uh, either to buy or to work. Now, um, 
climate change is is something that is in the forefront. The food system has to deal with it. I think brands that are new, uh, from what I can see, just assessing the landscape from you know sample sample size of one, uh, a lot of companies are are des- definitely taking that into heart. Um, how it affects corporate structure, I'm not uh, not exactly sure, but uh, <laughs> certainly as it relates to the, how they lean into uh, efforts to make you know a, a better better impact on the overall environment. Uh, that 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 to me is clear. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. I want to talk about this impact question, and this is sort of a roundabout way to talk about it, but I'd be remiss to not bring up sort of the big moment that happened for you this last year, the the TikTok moment for Ocean Spray, where, you know, uh, there, there was a guy who was on his skateboard and went completely viral. I, uh, I would love to just know before we get into sort of that, how you would describe the branding strategy of of ocean spray before you went viral on TikTok. How did you sort of go about describing your brand? What was what were the channels you went to? All that stuff. I guess the uh, the best way to describe it would be traditional and the team is was starting to break out of traditional. If I were to put a uh, a picture on it, it might be that Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving, you know, uh <laughs> painting that everybody where you have the, you know the dad or the granddad hanging over the uh, the turkey. Uh so that that is uh, sort of where we have come from. The team has done a wonderful job uh, to this point, I think, trying to move the brand to be a little more edgy and to be a little more attractive to the younger consumer. But the TikTok moment for sure gave us the catalyst you know, to break through and start communicating with consumers in a very different way. So walk me through, how did you respond to that? When you as CEO saw this happening, what, what did you say? You're like, well, this is what we got to do. We have to do this, that. Yeah. What were your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, my, my uh, team or those that have worked uh, with me know that that wouldn't be the way that I would attack and I wouldn't say, hey, this is what we got to do. Uh, so I, I did <laughs> immediately, that's just not myself. But I, what I did do is immediately ask the team. Um, where do we think we should go with this? Because uh, what we didn't want to do is be inauthentic, right? Uh, uh, take over the moment or try to take over the moment, which was extraordinarily tempting because our product was prominently featured. Uh, so what we decided to do was, well, how do we uh, engage to amp up the positivity? Um, as I saw the video, I did ask the team, did they have you know the recommendations? Recommendations at first were, Geez, we should probably, you know, do a little uh, more homework, and and we were tending to probably be a little more analytical about it. And I just said, let's let's just carve out a strategy and move. And the team did. And the plan they came up with is uh, just based on that's uh, Nathan Apodaca was the you know, gentleman that did this uh, video, and uh, he did it uh, in the mode of staying positive. Uh, during a difficult circumstance. So his uh, truck broke down on the, uh, before uh, he got to work. And so he decided to break out his skateboard and you know get to work any way that he could. And so we were fascinated by that story. We decided, you know, the right thing for us to do would be to buy him a new truck. Uh, he was drinking Cran Raz, so it was uh, red, of course. And so we bought him a red truck and uh, the rest sort of, came together from there and it was really kind of cool. It was, it was almost uh, immediate, maybe a few days afterwards. And then the, the eruption, we weren't ready for it. I mean, the, the, 
uh, Mick Fleetwood video, and then uh, I jumped on a skateboard just to sort of, you know, uh, make it come full circle. But um, that was that was nicely done by the team. I'd say they they really felt like uh, we could, you know, develop the story and make sure the positivity continued and was amplified without trying to take over the moment, which would have been wrong. Did this make you say we need to have a greater presence on TikTok or in on new channels in general? Or was this just sort of we're spot talking about this specific organic moment? It for sure, uh, you know, uh, moved us to have more of a presence on TikTok and frankly, more of a presence on other social media. Uh, the numbers were pretty astounding you know, that uh, our social uh, was, you know, it was nascent maybe or it was just maybe somewhere between nascent and somewhat stagnant was moving a little bit. Uh, but once we, you know, did what we did with the TikTok video, our social followers grew by over 600%. Um, you know, in this particular campaign, um, you know, or, or the video with uh, Nathan was on, that had more than uh, 24 billion earned media impressions. And wow. uh, it's, it's kind of astounding or it is astounding. And you know, if you saw, you might have seen that it was featured on as an advert TikTok made an advertisement out of it for the NBA finals. And you know, we had sales growth, of course, on Cran Raspberry in particular, but also on the base business. So all that said, we said, oh, well, how do we, you know, continue to move in this direction and do it in a smart way? So we have been a lot more involved on TikTok. We actually in Instagram, we are we have uh, you know, probably not quite as edgy content, but we still have edgy content. We're trying to keep, you know, our loyal followers, but then pivot uh, to communicate with those new consumers uh, in a way that they want to be communicated with. And I mean, it's funny, even some of the some of the things that we post, uh, you'll have some reaction like, "Hey, what's Ocean Spray doing here? What are, what are you guys up to?" And it's a, and they are kind of you know shocked that we're we're advertising in that way or, you know, just engaging in that way. And I think it's healthy. It's really uh, sh sharing the positive vibes and amplifying the positive vibes. And that's how the brand is, is morphing at this point. And it's, uh, it's really exciting to see. I'm always interested in sort of that moment after you go viral. And you sort of mentioned this, that now you have an increased presence on TikTok and you're doing the sort of surprise moments. Are you specifically trying to replicate it? How do you consider sort of the the extension and post period of when you go viral because i think that's a, an issue a lot of brands deal with yeah we we had that discussion afterwards um afterwards too kale but what is tempting is to try to do that to really oversteer and to to uh you know put ourselves in a position where we are um you know we were authentic i think we showed we're authentic coming out of coming out of the immediate situation but then uh you you could probably find yourself um, you know, feeling like, wow, this is, you're taking a little bit too far. So we, the only thing that we did, you know, beyond that is we had a, a video that we did for a Super Bowl with Nathan, Nathan, actually, um, we uh, hired him to do that. And I think that was successful and people had fun. He did these, uh, uh, dances. The content was very raw. It was, uh, during times where, you know, there was a scoring play or halftime and, uh, it seemed to really have a, a nice effect, but, so I wouldn't say we've gone back after, you know, that specific approach uh, with Nathan. What we have done is to say, well, what was the, the key moment there? What was the, you know, a person that is in our demographic that we're going for and they were, you know, consuming our product and the combination of those two. 
we don't always or haven't always featured a lot of advertisement with our product and our consumer. And, uh, you know, in social, we've certainly taken that and said, yes, this is something we need to do. And we need to do it in a way that is what we feel has been unique to us in this moment is to creating really positive moments out of even very difficult times and doing it with products that people love, they know for comfort and they're getting to know for, you know, new flavor indulgence and new nutritional value. So it's, uh, it, it uh, was something that changed, you know, how we interact and how we, how we message, but I wouldn't say that we then doubled down on the Nathan phenomenon as much as we did sort of use it as a, as a way to change our own, our own approach. I want to ask one last question, which is, I know that you guys have unveiled some new products recently. Can you just talk about how you approach new product development, specifically for a company that sort of has only a few, or you have many products, but people are, you're known for a few products, like, you know, your cranberry juice. That's what Nathan was holding. That's what people know you for. So when you're thinking of new products down the line, and specifically these ones, how did you think about the product development and what would resonate and how that would work with the consumer? Sure. Yeah. So you have to take a step back. You know, our, our purpose as a company is connecting our farms to families for a better life, uh, which is compelling, as we've discussed. Uh, and so the vision activating behind that is to bring the revitalizing benefits of cranberries. Cranberries are an awesome superfruit, as I talked about, but bring those to the world, not just the U.S. And we do it through creating, you know, delicious products, but also nutritious products. And uh, what that equates to is or delivers is a powerful impact, not just on the health of people, but also on the health of the planet because we're a sustainably grown product. So um, what we wanted to do is stay true to that. We have done a lot of innovation, I would say, in the last couple of years that has really been focused on new brands, new products, and we're trying to figure out what the uh, way in which is the best uh, ownable place for Ocean Inspiration to play in order to you know, get that consumer demand uh, up against those products that we introduce. Right now, we're moving towards the area of well, where do our products have permission to go and combining, you know, what we do well, whether it's in snacking, dried fruits. And, you know, that's the example that I'll use. How we think about innovation is uh, taking something that we do really well and amplifying that into other categories, adjacent categories that could be, um, you know, need states uh, that the customer has. But the reason why we want to do that is because that, you know, speaks head on to why people consume fruit. They want to do it. They want it to taste great, but they also want to have, you know, the, the benefits of immunity or, of, you know, more fiber in their diet or probiotics. And so as we think about new products in the future, it's focused on the consumer. What's the need state? Making sure that we can uh, play there. We have the permission to play from customers and consumers. And then you know, allowing ourselves the, the space to be creative, to be really agile, to get the products to market quickly. Uh, test and learn is a feature that we've developed over the last couple of years. And we know that we're going to get a lot of stuff wrong, but we uh, also know that we're going to get a few right and hopefully uh, hopefully more right than wrong. But uh, yeah, this is innovation. All right, Tom, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I really learned so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Have a great weekend. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week. Thank you.